Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. So we're back with another episode of The Car Debate. Hey, happy Friday the 13th to you. And uh, we are here with a few things to talk about tonight. Uh, we have actually two car debates we're going to cover. We're going to cover uh, Derek, who's writing to us from Canada. And Joe Cariotti is writing to us as well. Both of these guys, Paul has grouped them well. Both of these guys are kind of reducing their garage but want to keep the fun and have pretty tight budgets. So that will be cool. However, all of this is mostly irrelevant <laughs> because... The cat is out of the bag, or the GTS is out of the truck, or whatever you want to call it. Paul has a new car, and you've seen video. So, <clears throat> my friend, uh, I think you have some explaining to do. Yes, I do. Uh, well, thank you for the kind intro, and thanks for all the kind comments on Facebook. And yes, it is a 2015 Porsche Cayman GTS in sapphire blue that is actually used. And I want to tell you guys the story mm -hmm. about why I landed on this. I went round and round with Todd. And oh, have yes. a lot of serious choices. And those of you who did see our Mustang GT350 piece along with the boss, that might have been, uh, you know, you, you're thinking, oh, it's going to be the Mustang. And, you know, you wouldn't have been wrong uh, just based on my commentary. And so I, I – and, and, I, and I, must, I must apologize to the audience really quickly. I tried, guys. I tried <laughs> so hard to have this car not be a Porsche. Paul has talked so much about broadening your horizons and buying something new. Yeah. I tried so hard, and then he discovered this car. <laughs> well, I will tell you why I didn't take my own medicine and then a few points on why I did. So I do have some explaining to do here. And it all started with the M2. I'm wanting the M2. And putting mm -hmm. the deposit down, which I still have. I still have that $1,000 deposit put down on the M2 because they only return it if uh, if they can't deliver. I, I think they might be flexible on that. But I kind of wrote mm -hmm. it off. I mean, yes, they still have my deposit, but I'm just going based on what they're telling me. It could be a year. It could be 18 months. It might not be ever. And so I liked your Certainly S2000 two suggestion. Yeah, yeah. I liked the S2K mm -hmm. suggestion. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to be – waiting that long, it's less of a, hey, just have a car for a few months than a, this might be the car for a while. You know, this might might mm -hmm. be the fun car. And so sure. that changed my thinking. And you and I had talked about Avoras and GT350s mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. These were real, those were real contenders. Both those cars, the Avora and the GT350, were, were genuine contenders in this discussion. There have been a number of people who have actually written in and uh, and thought that. The rest of you thought, yawn, no surprise, Paul got a Porsche. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I, yeah. Mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not incorrect, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's true. Here's what I was looking for. I thought, all right, if I'm going to get the fun car, I love the mid-engine configuration. You know, M2 notwithstanding, I love that mid-engine mm -hmm. feel. So that meant the sure. Avora was still in the running. And then I really thought, all right, you know, Avoras are up there. If I'm going to be considering that, I can't ignore the Cayman again. I've had it, but the newer ones, mm -hmm. the 981, you know, body style, the new generation. Yeah, I, you had the prior. Yeah, I, I cannot ignore that. And then I started taking into things all these things into consideration, like resale, like – you know, how much is it going to be worth in a few years, even though that's ultimately mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. why you buy a car. You buy it because you want it, and that's what we preach here. But the one big thing that I, I knew, it had to be used, slightly used, because mm -hmm. we do preach mm -hmm. spending your money well. And even though the Cayman was not cheap, believe me, it's a boatload of money. I admit that. But – from new, this was a very expensive car new, and it has uh -huh. just under 15,000 miles. So it's already taken a massive depreciation hit, which I liked. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we also joke about, <laughs> did you get a good deal? Well, did you buy the car? Then no, you didn't get a good deal. So I didn't get yes, a good deal because I that. bought the car. <laughs> but, but I want to come to your defense on two points real quickly. 
Look, this was an expensive car, but yes, it was within yes. your budget. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, this was within Paul's budget for sure. So he didn't go yeah. out of the budget. You know, you had looked at the GT4, and it was completely, absolutely out of your budget. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that was it's not like you decided to blow that out. And also, you have been quietly collecting stock options from your software company job for as long as I've known you. Yeah. And they have mm -hmm. always kind of been the, this will be my car money. And so you're finally moving on that. And I respect that. And you have earned that so and i will also say you saved 25 percent on this car than if you bought it new yeah that's huge in a year that is huge in yeah. a year i mean we're talking like you said it's a lot of money but 25 percent off or 20 percent off from new any car that's a significant depreciation mm -hmm. right there and mm -hmm. it's still very new and you know speaking of gt4 the story about the car is from the Porsche North Scottsdale dealership, and Alan Birch there is a Porsche fan. He was my, he was my guy. And so, if you are looking, if you're listening, Alan at Porsche North Scottsdale, I am calling him out. He was fantastic to work with, very helpful. He gets it. He just he gets it. Mm -hmm. And so I explained what I was well, looking I, for. But I would say he got you. You called yeah, and started yeah. walking down the road, and he suddenly went. Oh, you're one of these people. Okay, then let's get let's do backstrokes in the pool of Porsche together. I mean, he really <laughs> exactly. walked you through the reality of this car, which was I, the perfect guy to get. Yes, I admit I tripped and fell backwards back into the pool of Porsche, and mm -hmm. uh, and it had to do with resale value. We know Porsches are, you know, they generally hold their value. They just do. And I thought, well, with the Avora, yes, yes, fun, amazing car. Um. You know, then all the, the other things creep in, like, okay, service, yes, Toyota engine, but service and long-term maintenance and then resale value. Because I was finding ones that had dropped a lot, but then I thought, well, if I mm -hmm. buy one, even with 3,000 miles, is it going to just drop another ten grand all of a sudden? I go, you know. Well, but you're... This car will still depreciate, but you are of behind course, the course. most precipitous drop. Yeah. I mean, that 25% that in the first calendar year, you didn't have to take any of that hit. And you got a car that is pristine. And, yeah, I mean, keep going. But, yeah, it's a, it, that's the impressive part. Yeah. So uh, Alan explained to me the prior owner, the man who bought this brand new. He specced it out. GTS from that dealership. He is 78 or 79 years old and gets a new Porsche every year. And apparently, hip guy, you know, professor, tenured professor, and uh, has done some book deals and done really well for himself and gets new Porsches every year and had placed his order for a GT4. Gotta be kidding me. Yeah. I just Gets I new Porsches every year. I'm just sitting here shaking well, my people. head. But go on. <laughs> go on. So it's super intriguing. So, okay, you know, he specced out the car. But as I'm finding with most Cayman GTSs, these have been interim cars for all the, all the owners waiting for their GT4. Even yeah, though yeah, yeah. you can go find GT4s right now. I can point you to them. I found them. They were way out of my price range. I wanted it. I thought, how can I? And there's just no way. But then you and I talked about, okay, say I do get a GT4. It's hair on mm -hmm. fire all the time. It's not cruise mobile. Yep. It's not, not that, you know, necessarily looking for that, but... I, find, I thought the GTS strikes a good balance between just, I just want to take it out or I, I want to do some mm -hmm. more hardcore driving. You can do both with this car, which is what Porsches excel at. You know, that's, yeah. that's part of their yeah, appeal. Yeah. And uh, so, okay, so this owner was waiting for his GT4 and pretty much just puttered around Phoenix in this car. And mm -hmm. Alan told me, he said, this car probably hasn't been above 90 miles an hour. <laughs> I thought... I'll fix well, fix that real quick for you, but uh, exactly, yeah. The, uh, the daily tripper will happen soon. But didn't yeah. you say to me? I mean, he got it like serviced every week, or, or or something like that. What was the deal? Yeah, he had, he would take it in every Friday and take it to the deal, you know, the detail guys, and say, "Hey, detail my car." And he would sit That's in the Porsche it, yeah. showroom and have an espresso <laughs> and talk to the cute girls and look at new Porsches and wait for his GT4 uh. while this was getting detailed. So I knew Detailed it was every week. That's astounding. Super, it was super well taken care of. And yeah. yes, not brand new, 14, you know, coming up on 15,000 miles, but who but cares? But that's nothing. Come on. Who that's nothing. Who cares? And so it feels and looks brand new, and it's taken mm -hmm. this depreciation hit. And so I will say that's why I've sort of followed our rules about buy smart, 
get that depreciation hit, even though it's it's right on the border. It is, and it's a Porsche. Yeah. But I'm thinking long term. Yeah, you you, you didn't thinking. follow the new life experience rule. <laughs> However, I, I, I may have to give you a pass just because you and I do drive a lot, which gives us lots of oh, life that's, experience. That's the other thing. However, <laughs> however yeah, you, you, I, I tried so hard to get you into a different yes, brand. Yes, you did. And you I did. failed. You but did. Anyway. I just, it, and it comes back to, you know, if you are considering something that you just love Chevys, you love Fords or whatever that is, we're not going to discourage yeah. you. We're going to say drive other cars, but you're right. You and I do get to drive a lot of different cars. And there have been some cars, I admit, they're fast, they're amazing, they make me giggle and laugh out loud, and we get to the end of the press loan and I want them gone. Hello, Hellcat. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. want it out of my driveway. Once we're done shooting it, I want it gone. It's funny. Yeah. And then some cars, I go, wow. And then there's this GT350, the car that we drove. And the big discussion mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on the on the thread here, and by the way, thank you for shooting this video, everybody. Todd shot the video. He did it handheld. <laughs> he he it was it was special. It was cool. It was a lot of fun unloading the car. And it was almost dark. It was like, come <laughs> on, he's gotta get here in the next yeah. fifteen minutes or we don't have any way to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, was, right. Was, yeah. And so this this Mustang has come up and it shocked both of us how good this car is. Of course we want to drive the the um the one L E and the new ZL one and the new mm -hmm. Camaro SS, Chevy Camaro SS. Yeah, How, yeah. However, the big discussion here has been markup. And I thought, all right, if I could find one, I'd pay the same money mm -hmm. thereabouts mm -hmm. for a marked up brand new GT350, which in a few years, then that markup disappears. I mean, that's just artificial Absolutely. inflation yeah, yeah, yeah. there. It, absolutely it is. It's not going to hang uh, on to that. You're I right. just, I didn't want to pay that. I, I wasn't willing to pay that kind of markup, even though mm -hmm. Justin, the, the owner whose car we drove, he paid, he told us he paid right around 51 for it. But he yeah. had placed his order. He pulled it off. You know, way long, you know, been waiting for it for a long time and, and uh, yeah. you know, managed to work the deal. That's not always the case. It's a very rare thing that he was able to do. Most of those mm -hmm. new 350 and 350Rs, they've got massive markup. And I thought, I'm not willing to just pay dealer greed and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what they call market price, you know, adjustment. And no, I'm not going to do that because that's just... I feel like you know, you and I have talked about this. I feel like you're kind of throwing your money away. And yeah. I didn't want to do that. And so I wanted to pay the value of what something is worth. And so slightly used, I feel this car is worth that money. Even though it's still mm -hmm. a lot of money, I'm, I'm going, I, I, I still can't believe it. I'm just, you can see in the video, I'm just <laughs> kind of amazed sitting there. And I haven't even driven you the are, thing. You are, yes. And, and, uh, and honestly, as I, as I yeah. joked on the podcast earlier this week, I, I did. I turned the camera off and came back to kind of wrench you away for the podcast. And you were in the middle of jumping up and down. Yeah. So I and I didn't have a camera in my hand at that point, which is kind of ridiculous. But but I guess the good thing about that is, you know, if you get a car that when it gets up, it, when it winds up in your driveway, you just kind of sta stand there and can't believe you own this car. That's a victory. I don't care yeah. what the brand is, yeah. and you have accomplished that, and that's amazing. So in that regard, bravo, and I am very excited to get this on camera. And a few weeks ago, we talked about wanting to do the 718 versus the GTS. Yeah. Part of the reason we talked about that is because we knew this car was coming. Right, right. And the specs on it are similar to the 718 in power, except, of course, we're going from uh, the flat six to the turboed four. Turboed four. So it would be really interesting, I feel like, to get those two cars together and talk about, because that, I feel like, the best direct comparison. I'm just intrigued to do that review. And we have the GTS, which, of course, is now joining our long-term fleet. And uh, and that'll be interesting. interesting car to discuss just in that category. Yeah, you're right, because same chassis, essentially. Nothing very major has changed except for the power plant. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it's more apples yeah. to apples in terms of you know power delivery and all that stuff. And I'm sure the turbo is great. And how has it changed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just – I'm super thrilled, and you're right. I was jumping up and down because I cannot believe it. The color, <laughs> the wheels, the – The I color just, is awesome. I cannot believe this car. I feel very – amazingly blessed and lucky to own this car. So um, so thanks, guys, for, it's only beginning. for being patient. We have teased this endlessly. We know that. Every time the word Cayman has come up, we're just trying to be stone-faced and <laughs> just yeah. as flat as we can because we knew this was coming. 
but uh, I, I'm just thrilled. I'm, I'm really excited. So thanks for your you comments and, and uh, staying with us as we've teased it because we've been a little bit merciless, I kind of feel like. And, and, it, and it, is, it is just the beginning. And I, and I want to speak to one of the questions that the audience has brought up a lot. And I want to kind of tease you because it's unknown. And, and a lot of the comments are, well, he's not getting that M2 now. Or, well, were you going to sell this for the M2? Right. I, it, this has reset the, the clock in many ways. And I would be really curious. And I say this because you, have, you don't know, and I really don't know, when they call you and say your M2 slot is up, what a conundrum. That'll be fascinating. Because yeah. you will, have, I mean, because obviously this car yeah. is less than twenty four hours old in your life now. Right. So, or right. actually, when we're recording this, less than twenty four, but a couple of days old by the time you're listening to this. Right. And I have to tell the audience the sob, the sob story here. You aren't going to get to take it on a good drive until after people have heard this podcast because you're headed out of town. I've got to go out of town. So you you park the car in in the garage and then promptly (laughs) leave and not drive it, which is even more brutal. So, you know, by the time the M2 slot comes up, you will have lived with it for a while. What will your perception be? Will you want to go M2? What's going to happen? None of us know. So we will obviously keep you informed on that as we do these long terms. Let's do a car debate, shall we? Yeah, let's jump in and talk about Derek, who is writing from Alberta, Canada. And as of this recording, there have been some pretty massive wildfires up in Alberta. And Derek, we hope you are safe and not anywhere near that. That has just yeah, been no brutal kidding. on the news. And, you know, years from now, yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be remembered. It's a big enough forest fire that it'll be very mm-hmm. well remembered and the repercussions will be felt for years to come. It's in the uh, the oil sands area, uh, Fort McMurray, from what I understand. So we hope uh, you are not near that. Uh, well, it looks like you're in Edmonton here, so you're, you're probably pretty far from that. But uh, anyway, pretty crazy. I saw Alberta. It made me think of that. But uh, Derek is writing in because he is trying to think about reducing his garage <laughs> from three to one. And he's got yep. cars yep. that are very specific to their purpose. And, yes. you know, we like to talk about no car is perfect. But, you know, yeah. if you have a, a need for a car to do multiple things, we try to choose that. But if there's just a fun car in your life and then there's the work truck and then there's he's something got, else. He's got this the, is he's got he's the got. skis. He's got the skis idea. He's got a tool for every condition. You know that's a I mean? great point. He's got yeah, that, that's funny. You know, he he he's got a 2000 Honda S2000. So that's an AP1. That's a first gen Honda S2000 with 70,000 miles. So not very many not very much miles on that. Clearly that's his just fun convertible car. He has an 03. Do you see this 03 Audi S6 Avant with a 6-speed manual swap in it? I can't believe that. With 100,000 miles on. I that's can't. a very cool car. Yeah, it is. And then his his work truck, the 04 Ford F-150 Crew Cab with 90,000. He has those three cars. So clearly you can just see by that three-car lineup, those have specific tasks. Mm-hmm. And so his question is, okay, I'm starting with this. He's thinking about reducing his three-car garage to one. That's where this gets kind of weird. Yeah, he's asking us if he sold all three, he could almost buy a brand-new Focus RS for cash. And go mm-hmm. to one car with a warranty, brand new, and just mm-hmm. go to one car to do it all. And he's talking about a summer commuter slash track car, a winter commuter, mm-hmm. so something all-wheel drive, gravel roads, uneven roads, dirt roads, parts hauler, which is what his truck is used yep. for. And then, by the yep. way, road trips, just cruising across the country. So That was the S6, yeah, yeah. He's asking us... Am I crazy? Do I I just want it because I want it? Am I stupid? Am I crazy? Am I just out of my tree here? What do you guys think? And he's asking essentially our opinion. And I kind of feel like he's pretty focused on that car. I mean, there's... Yeah, he is. Well, he's asking if he's missing anything. But I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before. You know, there there are a couple of different ways. And and I feel like everybody has this a little bit. Heck, you were this way with your Porsche. Mm -hmm. And that is, in many ways, people are writing in to get to see if we will validate their thoughts. And and that's absolutely fine. I mean, we're we're in every case, we're going to try to suggest options. But a lot of times people are writing in from a very smart place and going, or in other cases, a very biased place and going, here's the car I want and why. And while we may want to talk you around to other ideas, there's certainly a lot of times no reason why the car you've already thought up isn't a good choice. Clearly, this Focus RS has just caught your eye, Derek, and there's nothing wrong with that. I have a couple of things I want you to consider as far as just the way to deal with your fleet here. But I think the RS is a unique animal. I mean, if... The current STI was offered in a hatch. I would say look at that an alternative. 
but mm-hmm. it's not. So, you know, I think it is, you are kind of looking at a, a animal that's in a, a class by itself in a lot of ways because of what the RS is with all wheel drive and with, you know, its dynamics and all of that. Of course, we haven't driven it yet. We are dying to do so. You could consider a Golf R as an alternative here, but it isn't going, and it's going to be more towards your S6, mm-hmm. but I think it's going sure. to be less hair on fire. Which brings me to my big question for you, Derek, honestly, about this whole thing. I think the Focus RS, look, you've got, you have the disease you want to move on. We're going to back your play on that. Move on. Let's do it. And you are bringing up the point you're going to have a warranty, which is cool. The question I have is, this will be your new car. How precious are you going to be with it? Because I think you'd be fine on the track. I think you'd have fun driving around cross-country on it, though it's going to not feel as nice as your, as your Audi, I bet. But... Throwing tools in the back, hauling stuff for work. Mm, yeah. I'm wondering if you should keep. I'm wondering if we should keep just the truck, sell the other two, and buy as much of the RS for cash as you can, and pay off the rest. I'm wondering about that because I'm just wondering about throwing stuff in the back of your new RS that you would normally throw in the bed of a pickup. Are you going to want to do that? That's funny. We're thinking alike here because I looked at that and I thought, well, first of all, insurance. You know, is this going to reduce your insurance bill by going to one car or even just Mm, reducing mm. it by one should drop it a little bit, I would think. I mean, these aren't, Mm. you know, the cars you're listing here aren't exactly the newest cars ever, but still it should drop that a little bit for you. Yeah. And I look, well, you've got a truck and, you know, if you use it for truck things and not just, you know, random, you know, runs to the hardware store every once in a while and you truly use it. Yeah, I'm kind of worried about, you know, if you get rid of that. You might need it for some reason. And so if you could, yeah, just get get rid of the Honda and the Audi. The obvious competitors here are the Golf R and the Mitsubishi Evo mm-hmm. 10. Those are cars mm-hmm. we're looking forward to putting on camera with the, the Focus RS when we have availability. And, um, yeah, yeah. you know, talking about those. But it sounds like your heart's set on this RS. So therefore, I say why not? But I, I like your precious question and it is something to consider it's actually something you brought up to me you know when mm-hmm. you were talking mm-hmm. about beater s2000 or well you could spend a whole bunch of money and get something obviously yeah. i did yeah. what i did but it was just <laughs> you, <laughs> you didn't know. listen to me clearly but that's okay <laughs> i that, did that, i that's heard how you it and I, I considered it and i thought you know what it's just part of that car ownership is just the the, the yeah. joy that that jumping up and down joy well, is just like. Oh but you gosh. know what? I will give. You, I will. In your defense, look. You didn't listen to me in this regard. Fine, but I will give you a defense and a counterpoint, and that is this: you thought about getting yourself a used Cayenne instead of your new Jeep, and you concluded that the Cayenne you would be more precious about and less prone to throw skis in the back and get it beat on and use it as a production truck. Yep. You were very concerned about doing that, even with a used Cayenne, in a way that with a Jeep you were like, it's a Jeep, even though it's brand new. And so that was an absolute consideration with you when you bought your SUV. And so, you know, that's my big question is I just think you you talk about here, Derek, you talk about your, your uh, F-150 is your gravel roads and parts hauler. And I'm just imagining, I don't know what you're hauling, but I'm just imagining stuff that's dirty and greasy and maybe it dented the side of the truck bed when you threw it in the back. And I'm just imagining that same stuff thrown in the back hatch of your brand new RS and I just go, ooh, really? Yeah. Really? Mm. You know, maybe, maybe, but maybe not. It really depends on what you're actually hauling. And I will acknowledge the RS is not going to be as nice for kind of cruising road trips, but I like your idea on new technology. I think it's going to be a blast to drive. I... And you are, you're going a little bit to all season tires. I hate to say it that way, or the one size fits all shirt. I mean, you're going a little bit that direction. Right now you have three focused things for focused tasks. The RS is not going to feel like your S2000. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's going to feel more dynamic than your S6, but probably not as nice for a freeway blast. And it certainly isn't going to be the let's haul a, an old engine block like your F150. But, <laughs> right, right. But... You know, I don't know what the maintenance is on these three cars. All of them are around 100,000 miles. Oh, Clearly, sure. they're going to have to start having stuff done to them. Now you've got a brand new car, a couple of years of no costs at all. So, you know, I say do it for new life experience, but be aware of how precious you might be with it. That's great advice. And, uh, yeah, so no, you're not crazy, Derek. Side note about that Subaru that you mentioned. I've heard people, I don't know if anybody's heard rumors I don't know what you've heard, Todd, but um, just about the next generation going back to a hatch or adding the hatchback 
back into oh, the, the lineup on, Who knows? on the STI Who knows? because it was so beloved by so many enthusiasts. They took it away. Everybody screamed. And mm-hmm. people have mentioned it here and there. I, I can't remember exactly who, but I've I've heard rumors here and there of people saying, yeah, I think I'll hold off on this gen because Subaru is bringing it back. And I, I have no way to substantiate that. It's a rumor at this point. But well, then yeah. that's, that's a brand new car too. And the RS mm-hmm. is going to be brilliant. You're not crazy. It's going to be brilliant. No, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. It's it's an in- interesting place to be. Yeah. Uh, we have another discussion here from Joe Cariotti. Joe's interesting because he actually works with Chris Hayes over at Shout Engine, and he was very helpful. Joe was very helpful in helping us get on Shout Engine. If you want to start your own podcast, those are the guys to talk to. You pretty much need a microphone and their help, and you can get your <laughs> exactly. own podcast out there. And Joe was incredibly supportive when we first started out, answered a bunch of questions for us, and even became one of our very first patrons, which is really cool. He's still a patron, and so we see him on some of our patron calls once once a month, which is really cool. So he wrote in because he and his wife have, hang on, I'm counting, four <laughs> cars. They have four cars. Yikes. Yeah, this you, is amazing. You are both car people. Congratulations. You're thinking very seriously of reducing your car fleet down from four cars to two cars. The only one you're keeping of your list of four, I did not see this coming. You're going to keep your 2008 Saab 9.3, which is a manual. That is a unique car. I'm sure it's a fun car. That one is staying. The three that are going is the 1994 Honda Del Sol. So convertible, hardtop, automatic. You have a 2006 Z4 BMW with a manual and a Honda CRV manual 2001 little SUV. Those three are going. The Saab is staying. So you're kind of trying to replace a fun car or a couple of fun cars. And you've got about 15, 15 grand. Maybe you can stretch a bit. Okay. I'm, I'm a bit confused, but there's a lot of little details in here. It's great, Joe. Yeah. One of the details that caught my eye were the, the little bit of the, uh, the quirky odd. They're up for something. They're not just mm-hmm. locked into, yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to go with the usual suspects kind of choices. Mm-hmm. They're up for something. And he gives an example. I love this. He says, Joe says, if his wife could have any car in the world, it would be along the lines of a 1979 Mercedes SL 560 with a retractable <laughs> hardtop, good gas mileage, and that's quirky and unusual and older. Yeah. And you're keeping yeah, the yeah, Saab. Yeah. Of all those, you're keeping the Saab, a car yeah. company that no longer exists, and <laughs> that's the car you settled on keeping. Wonderful. I agree. I agree. I, you like it, so keep it. There's no reason to get rid of it if it's a good car and you like it. So their mm-hmm. budget is 10 to 15. And if you know me by now, I usually list a lot of choices and sort of work my way to the car. I'm not even going to yeah. tell you my other choices that I came up with because really, based on what he wrote about his wife, about what she's up for, I mean, they're, they're up for an automatic, you know, they, they mentioned this SLK well, 230, like an early 2000s, yeah. just because That's it's what got a hard really- top. That's what they're leaning toward. I mean, huh. this is going to primarily be his wife's car. So they want an automatic. Clearly, she's getting rid of the Honda Del Sol, which was not not only an auto, but a, but obviously it's a hardtop convertible. And she has a Mercedes love, so they're leaning toward that early 2000s SLK 230, which, yes, you have your options at the 10 to 15 grand. You may even be able to get a higher engine version. I found a couple of 320s even for this price point. Mm-hmm. So I see why you're there. Um, but that really informed a lot of my choices as to what I think they should get. I actually have three thoughts. I oh, have you do? two okay. kind of, two kind of, I felt were fairly obvious. And the one that's almost a wild card, but I'm very curious because it sounds like you're sniper shotting it. I think I am. I'm pointing my bat towards the outfield and just calling it based okay. on, and, right. and like I said, I didn't start with that. That didn't just come to me out of the blue. I started with some sure. choices. I wrote that down. I thought, eh, that's kind of okay. Work my way, work my way. Kept searching the internet, kept researching, and then I thought, mm-hmm. ooh, have you considered this? And okay. I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I At first, I blew the budget out, and then I found them in that range. It's just maybe a okay. whisker more than 15 k I'm talking fifteen to 17000 a whisker. Well, that's the thing, though. He acknowledges that if the car has already suffered most of its depreciation and it's a worthwhile car, they could stretch a bit beyond 15, which I took that kind of under advisement, but they're, they're hoping yeah. for 15. So keep yeah, going. That's what I was thinking there. And uh, okay, sell the other three, keep the sob. <clears throat> Here we go. And add 
Okay. A 2003 or 2004 Mercedes-Benz SL500. It's a convertible, retractable mm. hardtop. I found a blue 2004 with 68,000 miles on it for $16,990 in Boise, Idaho. It's for sale. I found one. It's blue with the the saddle interior. 68,000, it looks brand new. Mm. Those interiors, I think, aged well in terms of um, build quality. They just, they look robust and they just, they don't show wear. And, uh, I found this car. Mm, I like that. It's just, I like that. It's just a tick over the budget, but it still yeah. looks new. It's a head-turning car. Because she said Mercedes, I thought, huh. And it's it's interesting, but not so obscure that it's going to be a pain, you know, a nightmare to, to do maintenance on and that kind of thing. Well, and... I, I mean that's a big step up from the SL that they're looking at. I mean that is a that's a that's a I mean pardon me the the SLK that they're looking at yeah. up to the SL right right that's a big step up. Those are those are cool looking cars and it, they're one of those cars that they I mean I can't believe I, I'm impressed that you found this I, I can't believe they've come down this far I, I can't because either. it's one of those cars that if you're driving one you're going to be like wow how much money are you making because they they just (laughs) yeah that's a that's a great choice no wonder you sniper shot at that i didn't wind up there at all i have three others but that is a that is solid man well done well thank you yeah at first i found them in the twenty five thousand range and i thought "Ah, that's 10 grand more than what joe is wanting to spend i wonder if i could find them down in his budget sure enough and there's multiple cars some with higher mileage approaching a hundred thousand you know ninety thousand somewhere in there but but uh, I found this car, and, and that proves to me if you hunt and you look for something like mm-hmm. that, bigger car, classy. I actually like that body style before they updated everything else in the range. I think it's still really good-looking car and hard-top yeah, convertible. Yeah, I agree. So I agree. That's my shot, huh. but I'm curious to hear yours. Well, well done Oh, thank that. you. I like it. Well, I took... I took the fact that she wants a convertible, but they're going to use it in all four seasons, which is what kind of led me to my wild card. I'll get there in a second. Once oh, convertible, yeah. likes hard tops. Uh, so, I mean, he's talking about you're going to put winter tires on it, but they're going to use it all year round. They're definitely going to get an auto, but you're coming out of a Z4 as well. So you, you like having a fun car. Uh, so there's a lot of little parts of this that started to influence me. And I thought, you know, if you're going to look at something the size of the SLK, if you're going to look at that size, then I think you have to look at the NC Miata hardtop. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, we like that car. You, you absolutely it, it, dynamically, it's going to be better than the SLK. It just is. Okay. It's not a big car. It's not as nice inside as the SLK. It's obviously not a Mercedes badge, but I mean that hard top is a good hard top. That car is great dynamically to drive. It's going to be a little more reminiscent of your Z4, Joe. So it has that kind of sense. Uh, decent auto, not great auto. It's an automatic, but it's fine. Um, and you know, I think that is a worthwhile car to drive to consider as a cross shop to the SLK. Just dynamically, I think it'd be more interesting. It's going to be closer to the Honda Del Sol, but yet better. Uh, so that was one that I thought of. That's absolutely in the budget. The other one that I thought of, we've brought it up a couple times of late, but I think it relates here as well. Infinity G thirty seven convertible. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. You might have to spend seventeen to get a nice one, but the nice one at seventeen is going to be like an O nine. Okay, it's going to be a pretty recent car comparatively to some of the other stuff you're shopping for. And hardtop convertible, 2 plus 2, good engine. That's a good-looking car. I think that has to be looked at. It's not, I mean, again, we're not up to the, the brand uh, cachet of the Mercedes that Paul brought up or even the one you brought up, but that's interesting. And then I had this thought. Okay. This is my wild card. You're looking at used German automobiles. So you're going to have maintenance costs. Yeah. You know this. Yeah. You're looking for convertibles. You want an automatic, but you still want it to be fun. Okay, all right, I'm following along. And then I went, wait a minute. You probably would have to go to 17 grand. But at 17 grand, guess what you have choices on? A 996 Cabriolet. Are now, you it's serious? not a hard top convertible. It's not a hard top convertible, I will acknowledge, but it's a cabriolet, which means it's a lined top. Joe, you could get yourself, if you shop smart nationwide, you could get yourself a, a C4, an all-wheel drive convertible automatic 996-911 for your wife. Wow. That with winter tires is going to be better in the snow. It, it blows the SLKs out of the water in terms of performance. It's going to be dynamic and fun to drive. 
Yes, it's the upper edge of your budget. But and and yes, the ones you're going to find are going to be eighty thousand miles. They are. They just are. But you're talking about maintaining a used a used Mercedes, a used German car to begin with. So clearly, you've thought of that reality. So that's my wild card, man. A nine nine six nine eleven. You could have one for your budget in Cabriolet. Done. Did you find one? Did you find a price? I mean, I found many, my friend. Really? I looked up. I started. I started moving the price down, 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 down. Really? Nine nine six cabriolets are out there. You may be a nationwide search, Joe, but you could find one if you could really spend seventeen. Done. And and here's the thing: all the boxes you want to check, Joe, for the for the nine eleven world helps you because you want an auto. The nine nine six is the unloved. It's the nine nine six is the unloved body style. Convertibles hold their value less than the the coupes, and you want an automatic. These are all things that bring the price point down. Your biggest concern wow. buying that car is going to be that you you've got the maintenance, but you're clearly planning for that anyway. Buying a used you know early two thousands <laughs> right, German car, you're right. planning for it. So I I just that's I just thought you know what you could drive away in a nine eleven have that as your car. That's pretty cool. I love your SL recommendation, Paul, because I think we stepped him up there. But we step him up again in the nine nine six. That's pretty fascinating. I had no idea they dropped the convertibles. Of that generation. Like stones. Like stones. So that was yeah. 99, starting in 99 to up to 03, somewhere in there? 04. 04. 03, 04. Right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know because wow. sometimes their convertibles and their turbos carry over a model year. I'm not sure what the brake is in that one. But, right, right. But yeah, yeah. And you're going to be you're gonna be probably an 01, okay? An 01, 02 is probably going to have 80,000 miles on it. But, you know, they are expensive to maintain, but they are not unreliable, Right. When you somebody do, out there reliable. somebody somebody out there is yelling at the podcast about <laughs> IMS bearing. Somebody is yelling about <laughs> IMS right, right now. I right. guarantee you, and I'm gonna say it right now, less than ten percent of cars have had that problem and almost all of them were tracked. This is not the scenario Joe's gonna be in. If you're really worried about it, yes, there are fixes, but nothing about what you're telling us about how this car is gonna be used puts you in a scenario where you are in high danger for the IMS bearing. The internet will tell you those cars are sitting on lots waiting to explode, but that's not the case. <laughs> exactly. Great choices. And it fits with Joe's, you know, interesting slash obscure. They're kind of up for it. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine that he wouldn't consider that. And just the fact, yeah, he could put his wife in a Porsche. That's that's huge. It would be cool. That that's would be cool. a totally different life experience and within the budget. But anyway, uh, so that's kind of random. I was that was unexpected, but there we go. Uh, you know how? What, you know, I had a random thought just now. I'm curious how much of the FRS is going to be the also ran car now that we have the GTS of the long term fleet. Anyway, it's going to be oh good, they're covering the four cylinder again. Woohoo! Anyway, hey, not unless you uh, throw some force induction on that puppy and keep doing the the chip tune well, and what else you're going to do. Well, we'll we're going to probably do open flash tablet. And we've got a guy that's got a, a guy that reached out to us that's putting a supercharger on his FRS. We're hopefully going to put those side by side and have a compare and contrast. But I want to say, just giving uh, the FT86 uh, guys some mention, if you're looking for anything on those cars, definitely look into the FT86 Speed Factory guys. They are running a discount code for our listeners that is every day. So if you have GT86, FRS, BRZ, one of those cars, you're looking for something, they can get you pretty much anything, and they are great at recommendations. So if you have one of those cars... FT86 Speed Factory, you saw that on the video that we did for the exhaust. I'm sure we'll bring them up again. And again, the code is every day over there. If you want to go by there, they would love to talk to you. Yep, great bunch of guys. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm curious to know. Uh, I, I, hope they, I hope their business explodes. I hope uh, they get a lot of folks who are in need of parts and, well, and really want to, yeah. you know, patronize their business because they're great over there they, they really are they've focused on the car enough and they've raced the platform enough mm-hmm. i mean come on you want to break something take a platform racing they've raced the platform enough that they can go oh you need this not this i mean they've already had those conversations with us which is cool and that's the you know the expertise you and i drive a lot of stuff know a lot of, a lot about a lot of things no let me put it another way we know about a lot of cars we don't know a lot about a lot of cars because right. you kind of have to dig in to a specific car to go oh well this versus this those guys can do that, which is cool. Uh, questions out of Facebook. I have three that I wanted to bring up. I don't know which ones you noticed, though. Yes, uh, there's a couple that I wanted to back up to, and you probably have noticed that I did not post for this podcast, post up uh, questions, you know, soliciting your questions. 
because I am actually traveling this week. So we're recording this on a Tuesday night and uh, yeah. we're, we wanted to revisit a few questions that we hadn't gotten around to. And uh, mm-hmm. I think the main questions would have been, anyway, tell us the story of the Cayman GTS, which I <laughs> well, did. There's tons the of those already. Yeah. There's a ton of that. But uh, I, I was scrolling back through and there were a couple that stood out to me from John Adams and Julian Yoon and wanted to address these. I can't remember if we did or not. So correct me and stop me if I if, uh, okay. if we already had. This question from John was asking, which automaker does it best or worst, essentially from the parent brand or parent company to the luxury brand of that company? For example, Toyota mm-hmm. to Lexus, Nissan to Infiniti, mm-hmm. Volkswagen to Audi, Honda to Acura, all of those, Fiat to Ferrari. That's a huge leap. Uh, yeah. I can't remember if we covered this, but it doesn't seem to me. I don't recall no, we that we have. No, we didn't. That's interesting. And I, I yeah. like this question just because at first blush, I liked the VW-Audi combination. Because mm-hmm. the, those you know, car makers are accused of switch gear and parts bin and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. just recently read a whole thing about uh, in the new Maserati Levante, their SUV that's entering the the market, the SUV, the Maserati SUV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. People are recognizing Dodge Ram components in that car, <laughs> and I thought to myself, that's Uh-oh. not Dodge Ram. Not only is that Ram. That's my Jeep. That's the that's out of my Jeep oh, Grand sure. Cherokee. The window switches, yeah. the, the wiper stuff, yeah, yeah. the, the start mm-hmm. button, all that stuff. And I think, yeah, that's that's no good. When people deliberately point that mm-hmm. out and can recognize it right away. Whereas conversely, on the other hand, we've got Volkswagen. And it's not a bad thing that I feel like Audi switches are in my Volkswagen Golf. It's a luxurious, mm. beautifully crafted interior. Interesting. There's a perception thing that, yeah, that, that somehow that becomes a positive. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. So to answer your question, John, currently I think Fiat is doing it wrong, even though I am a customer. I am a, a uh, FCA yeah. customer with the Jeep. But I think that all that switch gear, it fits, and it's, it's done well for the price point. But then when I mm-hmm. see my Jeep Grand Cherokee switch gear – in an eighty to hundred thousand SUV in the in that new Maserati, I'm going. Uh, come on, guys, that's that's no good. And a lot of car manufacturers have recognized that and moved past that. And it just seems like mm. Maserati is still playing catch up. For that reason, I'm I'm not bring, sold on Maserati as a brand. I'm just not. Yeah, you bring up a fascinating point because something about the the Volkswagen Audi thing, it feels like. They made the switch gear for Audi and then brought it down to the Volkswagens. Mm-hmm. And yet what you're right. talking about is that you made the switch gear for the $30,000 car and then you put it in the $80,000 car and now that's offensive. I hadn't thought about that reality, right. but that is the perception of those two brands. That's fascinating. I, mean, I have two to bring up to contrast them, to contrast two of them. Okay. All right. Curious. Uh, unfortunately, in the doing it wrong category, I have to say Lincoln because <laughs> yeah. Lincoln is trying yeah. so hard – and yet, unfortunately, when you get into Lincolns, you just recognize, oh, this is a Fusion, done better. Oh, look, this is a Taurus, but more. Mm. I mean, that, and I hate that, but that's true of their stuff. Now, look, I know they've got the new Continental coming out. I know they are pushing really hard in all categories. But that has been their problem, certainly for the last decade, is you get in and you go, oh, yeah, this is you, – you can tell the bones. You can see where it came from. And that's the problem with the luxury brand. Conversely mm-hmm. – I actually think, and not across the board and not without fault, but I actually think that Cadillac does a good job of separating itself from Chevy. Yeah. And we know, we know intellectually, oh, this is the same chassis as that. Oh, look, this is the same wiper stock as that. And yet it feels like a different car. Mm -hmm. It it, it appears to be a different car. Now, look, the Q system's not great. Cadillac interior's not the best in the world. I'm not claiming that. But yet you don't get in them and go, oh, yeah, this is just a Chevy product. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like they've separated it just enough, which is interesting. And I feel like Lincoln is trying to do that, hasn't accomplished it yet, but is working on it. Caddy has accomplished it because the thing about the Caddy is all their lineup, you go, oh, that chassis is this great chassis over here too in the Chevy lineup. I didn't realize it, except for, I do have to acknowledge, the, what was it, This what was the big one they just got rid of? The CTS, the front wheel drive? That was an abomination. Oh. Not the CTS, the CTX, CT... Oh, the, the What's sedan, the big one I'm the, thinking of? The, the front wheel drive The sedan. front wheel drive, the front wheel drive halo car they had for 20 minutes because it was awful. The CTS <laughs> and the ATS are great. Now yeah. they've got the new CT6 coming. But yeah, anyway. XT or something? I can't remember. 
I can't remember I what it, that was. Clearly, it made it made a huge impression on us. Moving on, yes. <laughs> well, you're right. Cadillac got it. They they got it right away. And and your Lincoln discussion actually reminded me of the early Aston Martin Vantage cars. The mm. seat switch gear. You're looking at like that's a Taurus. That's out of a Ford. That's sure. A, sure. Come yeah, on. Yeah. That's an Escape. It's that problem you're talking about. Yeah. Right there. And then they finally got it. And I, I'm thinking. You know, FCA, didn't we have the 90s and all of the 2000s to get past this? Everybody knows. We <laughs> recognize. You can't pull a fast one. We recognize those things in cars. Didn't we have these two decades to sort of get past that? And if you're going to introduce <laughs> Maserati as the, hey, we're coming for sales, we're exploding the brand, you know, luxury, just a step down from Ferrari, give me a break. You cannot do that. So, well, yeah, good examples of good and bad there. You remember that uh, California, Ferrari California that we drove that had the head unit from a, wasn't that, that from a Dodge? <laughs> it was. The head unit was from a, something from a Dodge they product. sourced I mean, it from that, a Dodge that's, product, yeah. That's the unfortunate thing is that once you start to get more to, to a niche automaker, then you have to start sourcing stuff from elsewhere. Yeah, you got to buy parts. And sometimes it's glaring and that can be a problem. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, Antonio write to us. Antonio's written to us a couple times. Antonio wrote to us and he said, look, I realize it's spring now, but he was just curious talking about winter tires. You've got the kind of studless ice and snow standard winter tires, or you can spring for the extra high performance winter tires. And he's saying, is it worth it? My question for you would be, what kind of driving are you doing? If you're just doing normal driving, but it's winter time, I don't need to think you need to brake for the extra high performance. If you're going to be going wickedly fast or hooning your car in the winter, maybe. But I think in most cases what you're doing is you're just getting the Blizzax. You can get the standard Blizzax. You don't have to go high performance Blizzax. I, they're great tires, period. And they're designed, let's be honest, they're designed to be soft and be consumable. They're designed to kind of, you know, at 20 <laughs> degrees, they're still malleable. Right, they're going to get right. worn down, period. So, yeah, I don't know that you need to go high performance on that on that question. It's interesting that uh, that ties in with uh, nearly the same question from Julian Yoon um, in past, uh, past rounds of questions here, who asks about a daily driver slash weekend track guy. What would we mm -hmm. spend money on first, coilovers or upgraded tires? And I think that answer should tell you, Julian, that we would always go for tires first because sure. – I recently actually drove a 2015 Subaru WRX STI with Federal tires on them and was hmm. thoroughly unimpressed. That car <laughs> overdrives right over the top of those tires. It is so far sure. past the capabilities of these tires. It needs something like Michelin's and Conti's and brand name. You know they're high performance. They're proven on track. Those kinds yeah. of things. Are they more expensive? And yes, to your point, they're consumables. But before I even think coilovers, mm -hmm. because imagine this scenario. You got brand new coilovers and you have very so so tires. What's your car true, gonna do on true, a track? Yeah, yeah. Tell me. Well, yeah, and, and the thing is tires is one of those things that you can upgrade that at theoretically minimal cost compared to many, many other things, yeah, and yeah. you can still feel the difference. Yeah. And feel you know, if you difference. if you can go you can go up in tires and then go, okay, do I still need whatever it is? But I, I think if you're doing suspension mods and you haven't done tires yet, you've skipped a vital step for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It's always pretty much tires first uh, before anything else. And, uh, you know, just like when you're buying computer hardware, I will always tell people to buy the best computer you can afford right now because then it will last that much longer in terms of the, how fast technology moves. <laughs> It'll last five minutes more than the one below. Yes. It moves so slightly it's, it, longer. It's, instead, of, instead of being up to date for four months, it'll be up to date for six. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, yeah, exactly. But, uh, but tires are just one of those things where you do feel such an instant difference, and it'll transform a car stock. You don't even have to do anything else, and it'll yeah. transform the driving dynamics of the car. It's amazing. Well, I've been laughing about just going to my uh, Pilot Supersports again from oh, right. Blizzax in right. the winter. You just that put has, those on. That has, that has absolutely changed. <laughs> the FRS again. Right. The car feels lower and it feels flatter. All they was change the tires. The wheels are even the same size. Okay, It feels lower and flatter. And the ride is actually a little bit harsher because those tires are mm -hmm. firmer. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I've got less road noise, which is interesting. And, yeah, it feels like a much sharper car. All they was bolt different wheels on. So that's definitely a huge factor. So uh, funny. J.J. Mott, Mott wrote to us and said, why do you guys more often than not recommend newer cars? And I thought, 
well, actually, we recommend a lot of used cars. But then he goes on with his question and talks about, what about those cars that are only a few thousand dollars? And I went, oh, that kind of older car. Okay. Uh... He's talking about, you know... (laughs) He right. he's he has a 2015 Mazda 3 that he's considering ditching, or he does now, and then he kind of toys with the idea of ditching it because he thinks fondly back on his old, like, Saab 900 Turbo or his 85 GTI. I mean, old stuff. And, okay, I want to tackle this question from two points. First and foremost, JJ, we we highly recommend used cars. New cars are great. If you want the warranty, that's awesome. But just in order to get on the backside, Paul's just done it. Get on the backside of the huge depreciation hit. We're huge fans of used cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the whole reason, let's be honest, the whole reason I even have a Cayenne is because my wife and I could get it for twenty five grand. Right. No Cayenne on the planet is supposed to be twenty five grand. We we bought it one for twenty five grand. I mean, otherwise <laughs> right. we wouldn't have that car. Right. Right. So you know we're huge believers in used cars. Here's the problem: we get these car debates every now and then too, where people are like, "What's the best car to recommend for five thousand dollars?" And our recommendation is, "Don't buy a five thousand dollar car." Now, I will acknowledge. There are many of you right now, fingers over keyboard, primed to write us the story about the $5,000 car you bought that was awesome. We had a a Miata in our Miata piece that was $2,000 that was a gem. They exist, but here's the potential problem. If you buy a car for five grand, what we normally tell people is, in the first year of ownership, you might spend as much as five grand again, just getting it up to spec where it runs well. Maybe not, but... That's why we often are like, just get a more expensive car because that car is 5000 for a reason. It could be age. It could be stuff it needs. But by the time you just do tires and shocks and the stuff that is going to be probably necessary on a $5,000 car, you're going to spend a few grand and you just bought the thing. Right. That's the reason we don't often do that. Right. I would definitely agree with that. And I'm also looking at you, Alec. Uh, Alec Vando is writing with a similar question about considering beater cars in that price range. Mm-hmm. Now, that is an mm-hmm. entirely different discussion because you're not relying on this as your daily. This is not your car to sure. get around and, and have your life in. This is a beater car. It's a track car. It's an autocrossing car. It's a, I bought this just to wrench on and kick around, and I don't really care about it. In that case, fine. Spend 2500 bucks. Spend four grand. Get out mm-hmm. whatever. Beat on it. You know, yes, it'll be a bit of a money pit because you're going to want to keep it running and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's okay, I think, in that in that sense, especially for, you know, a nice just welcome to track cars. You just want something to— You're, you're buying it like a disposable item at that very point. Much I mean, so. you're, you're, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, yeah but, I see that. I see but that. otherwise, you know, a friend of ours, uh, of Todd and I, you know, he, he knows about Everyday Driver and writes in and just says, hey, guys— my Honda Accord got rear-ended, 160,000 miles. Can you believe it? We're still paying off the Odyssey minivan, and yeah. I just need I just need transportation. How about five to eight thousand? And both of us are going. No, just yeah. don't. Just come well, on. Well, he was looking for. He, this is the total family man. He wasn't looking for a track car. He was looking for reliable transportation, and he said, "I don't want to spend more than five grand." And we both said, "Buddy, spend more than five grand. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to anyway. You're going to spend five grand and right. then realize, oh, it needs this, and it needs this, and it needs this." Just because that's kind of how it goes, if that is your primary source of transportation, you might buy yourself into a problem and your $5,000 car is now suddenly a $10,000 car. That's what we're worried about for people. Obviously, there are exceptions to the rule, but that's the reason we don't normally run in that price point. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, something to consider. Um, you know, we, we don't recommend that that because, as you said, you put it so well, <laughs> you're going to be spending more money anyway. So, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, before we wrap things have, up, um, did you have I one have more? I one more that I noticed. I have one more that I noticed. Did you have something else to cover, though? Well, all I wanted to cover was actually an email that just uh, came in from Brian, uh, whom we talked about on the prior podcast. He actually explained about that Trans Am, that F-Body Trans Am that he lusted after. Oh, and yeah? I wanted to update the audience with that because he just wrote in, and I thought it would be a fun update for the audience. But uh, I'm curious to hear your uh, your last question here. Well, here, here's the last one that I, that I wrote down. Dan Corwin wrote in, and he said, okay. We just loved the GT350. Mm-hmm. We also really liked the Z28. And he actually kind of calls me out and says that he really feels like I enjoyed the Z28 better than just about any road car. Which one and why? And then he goes on a little side note and says he feels like we should have an extra T-shirt that says get your daily triple on the front <laughs> with a silhouette of me with my hair blowing back. Or possibly my hair blowing back and on fire since we talk about cars that are hair on fire. I'm laughing about that. Like Maybe that. that is a shirt we could make. 
Uh, write in if you'd like that shirt. No, that's terrible. No, let, let's not do that. <laughs> People are but going it is to. Funny. You've said it um, now. You've done it now. <laughs> yeah, it, they're, they're, I'm going to be wearing myself in silhouette. How ridiculous <laughs> is that going to be? Hello, narcissism, party of one. <laughs> Moving on. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah. GT350 or Z28, I would say this. I was really impressed with both of those cars. That's absolutely true. In reality, I would probably go 350. And I say that because the the Z28 was awesome, but it felt like a car that would be awesome every time you're at the track. It just sure. the, the the visibility sure. is so limited and the car is so focused on being an awesome track Camaro that I just felt like, you know, the GT350, the thing that was great about it was we actually had the second day of our shoot, we actually commuted quite a ways before we got to our shoot road. And it was great. It was fine for that. There was nothing wrong with commuting in that car. It was, it was a car that was no problem to commute in and just be comfortable. The Z28 was not that. I remember driving the Z28 through traffic at night in L.A., and I was convinced I was going to ball that car up hmm. just by not seeing hmm. somebody. Sure, yeah. And then fight, fighting the clutch and stop and go and all this kind of stuff. GT350 didn't have that. It felt like a car you could just drive and not hoon, and then the first chance you got it was an amazing car to drive hard. So I would say GT350. Did everybody see our Miata review? The four generations of the Mazda Miata MX-5. In the first gen, Todd sticks his head above the windshield like a dog, <laughs> and you've got to see his hair is yep. like blowing back in the wind, and he's panting in the breeze, and it's really hilarious. So... I just I did. I felt like a dog image. with his head out the window the entire time I drove that car. But anyway, I love the I hair on fire part. I get that image of you with your head above the windshield header and your hair's on fire too. That'd be a yeah. great t-shirt. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll build a drinking game. It's going to be awful. Moving on. Yeah. Okay. So so give us the update on Brian with the the Trans Am that he was in, he was curious about. Oh yeah. Yeah, he just wrote in uh, just an hour ago here and he said, "Hey, I just listened to the podcast." Wanted to tell us about the Trans Am because I asked him about the F body and I thought, mm -hmm. why that car? And he said, well, yeah, what's the deal? He said that 1998 to 02, the WS6 package with the Ram Air hood, the T tops, this was the first car he lusted after. Okay. He, ah, there he it loved is. the aggressive look, and his first car was a 1992 Pontiac Grand Prix. Remember that car? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And so. Yep. That put sort of Pontiac, that Arrowhead Pontiac, went right sure, into his sure. little heart, and it just made him want yeah, another yeah, Pontiac. Yeah. Pontiac. There's the nostalgia. Yeah. The forgotten well, that, brand. That car, that car that is the first car that really kind of gets you as a car guy. Hey, look at our friend Matt Farah. Why does he own a DeLorean? Because that was the car that he first went, cars can be that. And for a lot of guys, when we did right. our 50 Years of 9-11 film, the number of people where the 911 was that car for them. They were driving in the back of mom or dad's whatever, and a 911 went by, and they went, what is that? That car will always have a place in your heart. For me, it's the 300ZX. I mean, look, I liked the Countach. I liked a lot of this stuff, but the 300ZX was the first car that I thought, that's almost reachable, and I must own one. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, so that, that nostalgia thing runs deep and is huge. I'm thrilled to hear that from Brian. That explains itself like crazy. Yeah. And all right, cool. He, Very cool. He said he'd like to meet you and shake your hand if you ever make it out to, uh, to Kentucky, but... He also said he's not sure the Lexus is going to make up for the lack of a V8, which I get. Exactly. I just threw that out there. I love that, but it uh, looks I, like the— I don't, uh, I don't feel in danger of having to get on a plane to go to Kentucky. I don't no, think that's happening. I don't no, think that story's happening anyway. I don't, think, yeah. I don't think so either. But, yes, Brian, please keep us updated because we'll, uh, we'll announce it on, uh, on the podcast. And uh, curious to hear what your, uh, your muscle car proclivities will produce for your next car. So thanks for writing in. Really appreciate it. And to all of you. Everyday Driver TV at Gmail is for car debates and on the website. So hopefully you've seen our redeveloped, revamped everydaydriver.com website. And from there mm -hmm. you can say, write to us, contact us right there. So that's another way of writing yep. in your car debates. And please do. We're, we're really loving the, uh, the fun here and uh, just such a varied stories. I think I have more fun talking about the stories of people than actually selecting the car and landing on the car because it seems it's, so It's cool to hear people's individual yeah, well, I don't know about that, but it's cool to hear people's fun stories about yeah. here's what brought me to this place that I'm at. And many of you have owned 
just massive lists of cars available in <laughs> volumes, which is shocking because it hasn't been Paulinized experience so far, but we're getting there. So that's pretty cool as well. Yeah. Uh, we would love for you to rate the podcast, be you on Stitcher or iTunes or even Google Play. I'm not sure how the rating happens on Google Play, I must be honest, but your ratings are helping us. We are regularly in the top 10, sometimes the top five, and that's entirely thanks to you guys. Pretty cool. Of course, you can find us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram has almost up to a thousand people. When it hits a thousand, that 1,000 person will get uh, some swag from us. So keep that in mind. Every thousand will do that. Chance is doing an awesome job on Instagram. And uh, anywhere you find us, we appreciate you just interacting with us because we are reading all of it. And sometimes that's exhausting, but we do it. <laughs> we were thinking about German Shepherd puppies or a 75-inch flat screen TV. So... One of the two yes. for the uh, for the prize. We're, we're going to put think? the German Shepherd puppies in the flat screen TV box and see how they how they how they sort out. It'll be it'll be awesome. It'll be great. Yeah, awesome. Thank you guys. Appreciate it as always. Have a great weekend. Bye.